What's good, party people? This is According to Woods, and I have the honor and privilege of having a thespian who's been featured in Peaky Blinders uh, and literally, literally uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and if you guys haven't seen it already, and we've tweeted it a bunch, but this gentleman probably does Eric Bischoff in his heyday. I mean, Eric will probably tell you that he's in his heyday now, but the <laughs> WCW era, Eric Bischoff, Maybe better than Eric, but he's the one, the, the only Sam Benjamin. Sam, what's going on? Uh, what's going on with you? It's glad to happy to be here. Love that intro. Um, I feel like it's you know my work is done. How? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we got a, a tinge, a little bit of tidbit of Bishop laugh. That's amazing. That's a, the bonus. But my goodness, I mean, first off, I mean. You've done so many things in your acting career. You've kind mm -hmm. of relocated, recalibrated, you know, your kind of home base just to, you know, kind of further your, uh, you know, uh, artistic acumen. But how did it all start for you? Like, uh, because you love, obviously, you love acting, you love yeah. wrestling, but mm -hmm. like you got to wait for it to converge. But how did one or the other start? Well, I guess because this is obviously you've got the we're coming at it from a wrestling uh, angle as well as a, just an acting angle. But I guess um, I always had this. I was one of those lucky people where even when I was four years old and they said, go up at the front of the class and tell everyone what you want to be when you grow up. And to me, it was always um, to be an actor. And I think that came down to many things. One of the things was I was quite a shy kid. I didn't have much confidence. So I liked having a character with some lines to pretend to be confident and to pretend to be powerful and strong. Um, and then uh, my, my mom, I lived with my mom. Uh, she was um, pretty much brought me up as a single parent until I was about 11. And we moved around a lot. And I wasn't as close, like when, as we moved, I wasn't as close to like all the other kids in school. So I spent a lot of the time occupying myself. And that meant, you know, sitting there with the action figures, with the wrestling figures, with, you know, the Batman and Thundercats and all this and doing the voices and creating the stories and kind of like entertaining myself almost with these little, uh, you know, shows. And I would, I would make in terms of wrestling, I can remember, you know, I had the ring and I had my wrestlers and then I used to make like an entranceway from like cardboard boxes. And I used to have my like my CD player um, or like tape player with um, like the entrance themes ready to go and all that kind of stuff. So I guess I've always had that storyteller escape element. And then all my family, like, you know, I grew up in a, a place called uh, the Wirral near Liverpool mm. and... Um, a lot of my family, even though none of them are in the entertainment business, they all like just they're all movie buffs, movie geeks, cinema, cinephiles that, you know, just, you know, it'd be Saturday nights at my dad's flat watching action movies, Tuesday evenings at my at my nan's watching classic 50s, 60s Hollywood musicals. So I've always had that in me. Um yeah. So then, and then, so it, it was always the thing that I was most passionate about. And then actually getting into it is a whole different story. Um, it's very difficult, uh, but yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of how it started. I, I love it. And uh, Mick Mac actually, who is a often uh, contributor in terms of the comment section on uh, after 83 weeks, uh, he says, Hey Sam, 
uh, cool Eric Bischoff promo. And in true McMack uh, fashion, you can't just give a compliment. He goes, uh, England will be decimated in the ashes. <laughs> so that's McMack. If you that's okay. I take it he's Australian, is he? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Uh, but so in terms of like you know when you kind of had the aspirations of wanting to be an actor and mm -hmm. nobody in your family really kind of taking it up other than just you know basically partaking in a movie and what have you um what was the reaction uh it was a reaction of uh on the one hand because this is this this is sometimes a blessing to growing up in a family that didn't i don't People throw around, around the word working class a lot. I, I don't know what the true definition of it is, but um, you could definitely say some of the elements of my family would some people would describe as working class. So, the, and in my immediate family, I was the first person to have the chance to go to university, so to actually educate myself beyond age eighteen. So for them, it was especially my mom and dad. They were kind of like, "Hey, uh, we've always struggled for money." Um, we, you know, we don't want you to struggle for money. So ideally we'd want you to get into a job like being a lawyer or something like that, that has a more secure high salary kind of deal. But, um, at the same time, they always did say, you know, do what you enjoy. Cause you know, life is short and you, you might as well have a crack at whatever you want to have a crack at. Right. So I, I guess I was looking that way, although it did. I guess from my area as well, that's not obviously, you know, Liverpool has many icons and the Beatles and a big history of performing. But at the same time, it's not the same as, say, London or New York or L.A. So to say in my school as I'm studying, like, oh, yeah, I want to be an actor. You just get laughed out the room, Wow. Um, especially with speaking to the. I think you guys call them guidance counselors. Yes. I remember, um, I remember we call them career advisors. And I remember being age 14 and sitting down with one. And literally, she li pretty much laughed in my face when I said actor. And then when she just refused to accept actor as, as an answer, she then, uh, I then kind of offered her like similar kind of televisual kind of roles like, oh, well, what about, you know, a presenter or, a TV journalist or, you know, uh, being on the radio and things like that. And then even then she'd, she'd whip out like a little piece of paper and be like, um, look at the statistics of success in these fields, uh, 2%, 2%. And then was like, no, no, no. What you want to be looking at is a great job with great earning potential. Go and be a trading standards officer. So I was like, oh, okay. And then ended up in this room talking to someone about being a trading standards officer and the, you know there's nothing wrong with that but it was like hang on a minute how yeah. did i get from actor <laughs> to trading standards officer so uh, you know i've got you know the school system you know needs some need some work and i think a lot of people's dreams are uh, stolen before they've even had the chance to attempt it so that's one of the things that i always whenever I talk or whatever I, the work that I do or the shows I've been in, or I always, hopefully I'd like to be an example to, you know, young people of like, go for it. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes you've got to, you've got to listen to what people are saying around you, but sometimes you just got to, you just got to close you, you listen and then you go, right, I've heard it, but I'm still going for it. I'm ignoring you. 
So I guess that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's uh, brought you across seaboards to do. And I mean, it, it, I mean, where is the, that kind of uh, career counselor now? Did she see? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, did she see you in the fleet? The few did you see you in Peaky Blenders? Like, that'd be a cool Probably little, not. like, hey, remember me? Remember yeah. me? Yeah, but you know, it's it's all you know, she was just doing her job, and uh, yeah, it's just you know, if I can inspire some more people, and also, you know, as well, my I have to give a shout out to my uh, well, both my grandmothers were a big influence on me, but one of them, um, in particular with the career, she. She's called Shirley, and she always she was like a self-made woman, which was quite hard in that era. You know, yeah. she built her career, and um, but she she always kind of believed it, and always she'd buy me books about acting, and she just always supported. So she was a big factor in that. That's that's absolutely amazing, you know. And uh, oh, geez, McMac, he says, what are the things that go on your feet other than shoes? Trainers. Oh, more so. I'm I'm from the uh, well, my mom's side of the family from the from Fiji, right? So okay, we call flip flops. Oh yeah. And apparently he says thongs, and I and no, I, we don't say that. Right, we say flip flops. Okay, <laughs> because that's I actually uh, I was like, hey, well, what was Lita wearing above her? You know, her skateboard pants, right? And what is the Cisco song? What was that I'm, about? I'm with, I'm with Cisco. That's all I'm going to say about hey, that. Hey, there you go. Sorry, uh, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Mick. Uh, but, it, you know, it's it's funny because, like, I, you know, it's funny that you were 14 when you got that bit of advice. I've got a, my youngest is 14, right? And I see the things that he's doing and what have you. And I'm all like, man, uh, you know, in that vein of, you know, basically handing down what you know. But if you kind of think about it, right? We've evolved as human beings, and at least, at the very least, technology-wise, right? In the last 20 years, think about when we're kind of similar in age, right? You know, the two-way pagers and then the cell phone with the snake on it and whatever. There are two different things, you know, in the early 2000s, right? And then yeah. look at what we have now. So I often go, like, am I having him outdated information? And you can't help what, you know that counselor did or anybody that kind of thwarted you just do the fact that again what they had done and done well or had seen done well had been the the, the course of action for 70 plus years yeah. theoretically but yeah. in the last 20 years it's almost like like does anyone have a typewriter right now Tom Hanks does. I know he loves them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're right. And I think the other thing is, you know, even if you, if you go back, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world today. But uh, when you look at it, and believe it or not, my my degree subject was actually history. And even though there's a lot of things we still need to fix and a lot of progress we still need to make, at the same time, when you look at things like that, like compared to our dad's generation and their dad's generation and their mother's generation, like the difference, like, you know, you'd work your job, you'd work the job that your dad worked and then you'd go home and you've got, well, I know in England anyway, you'd have a TV with three channels on it. Uh, and that's it. Like there's no way to communicate with anyone else. There's no way to 
publish a, a short or a think piece or a blog right. or, or, or electronically for free contact anyone in the world. So I think, um, you know, your 14 year old, um, the world is their oyster. There you go. As it is for you, which I mean, I, I absolutely love the fact that you kind of just was like, I'm going for it. Where am I going? We're going to Hollywood because Let's yes, yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> you know, but it, you know, um, to kind of have you looked at your Wikipedia page recently? Uh, I, I looked at it when it first appeared because okay. I was like, oh, I've got a Wikipedia page. Um, I haven't looked at it recently. What? Why? What is it? Is so it... I, I don't know. I mean, and you can kind of provide clarity, but it actually says that you basically learned Shakespeare from. Uh, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I um, yeah. The story behind that it was actually one of the turning points of my career. I I went to university, Reading University. I was actually studying history, but as extra, I guess you guys would say extra credit. We would say extra modules. Yeah. Uh, I was doing uh, I was doing film. I was studying theatre, and I was basically pouring myself out to any director that would be putting on their own plays, their own shorts, their own films. So it just so happened that this really talented director auditioned me. I got cast in a production of Angels in America, um, which is made into an HBO thing, yeah. uh, you know, uh, several years ago with Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. And I got cast in that thing and did it. And then this thing, this group called the National Student Drama Festival, they go around the country looking at student productions. Um, and my director entered it into this competition and they picked 10 productions and put them on at this big festival every year. They didn't pick the show, but they asked a few of the actors to audition and they do this summer. I don't know whether they still do. They do this summer training program and you, they audition hundreds of actors that they pick and then they pick like 15 and then you do this intense training. Um, so I auditioned and I got in and was one of the 15. And and then we were getting trained by this guy called John Britton, who mm -hmm. was just phenomenal. Um, he's not like a well-known household name, but just, you know, a theatre guy that just knows his stuff. And then, uh, then I think it was on, I don't know, the second day, they were like, oh, um, we've asked you all here today and we haven't told you what we're going to do, but we've got a little surprise uh, teacher for you. Um, he's just flown over from Vancouver um, shooting X-Men. And um, and then the next thing, Patrick Stewart walks in and he was like, yeah, I was thinking I could teach you guys a bit of Shakespeare. Uh, what do you think about that? And we were like, what? <laughs> so um, and then obviously he told us his story about his career and, you know, took us few took us through, you know, his take on Shakespeare and acting and all that. And uh, yeah, and that was a moment when I thought, oh, actually, I was 19 and I thought, you know what? Because I got, I got picked for this. And then Patrick Stewart is teaching me Shakespeare. I was like, maybe this thing's doable. Maybe I'm good enough. Maybe it's worth a shot. And also, I kind of learned as well, Patrick Stewart, he's from he's from quite a working class background, even though he's very well spoken. Um, he's actually from, you know, he's a working class lad from the north of England in Huddersfield. And he, you know, again, lots of struggle that you wouldn't expect because, um, you know, we just see him as this, you know, uh, very you know, established, well-spoken, yeah. um, uh, kind of older actor that's been around the block and done it all. But yeah, so that was a big, that was a big moment for me. 
I, I mean, if if I if you could see me now, it almost seems like you could see yourself through Patrick Stewart. And I mean, my goodness, I mean, for a certain generation, like you said, you know, he's you know flying in from Vancouver, filming X Men. You yeah. know, for me, you know, as obviously Professor X, Professor Xavier, but for me, that's Captain Picard. Yeah, yeah. Next generation. I'm like, holy yeah. smoke, icon. Yeah. He's still meme today, my goodness. And that's, oh, yeah. That's when you know you've kind of... What's the one? Is it the clap one? There's a yes, really good one when he's clapping. Clap one or the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, the... yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. amazing. But, I mean, so in terms of, like, going about it from age 19, you know, and having this... I mean, this is a literal legend standing before you and teaching you the tricks of the trade amongst mm -hmm. a, a class of people, right? So... Where did you go from there? So I um, I finished, so that was whilst I was at university. I carried on studying my degree. I carried on doing many plays and many films uh, on their student uh, production uh, scheme. And then um, by the time I got, to, I was getting to the end of my degree, I knew unequivocally that I, I, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a professional actor. But then I also thought, well, hang on. <clears throat> Again, this is a very UK thing. Um, in the UK, it's like, um, you know, we have a very vigorous training tradition. Um, and it's like, over here, it's like, when you're an actor, you should go to drama school, which is separate to university. And there's like, I think there's like 12 or 15 accredited drama schools, not universities, not short courses, not, you know, not um, acting courses there, drama schools. And they do this very traditional, vigorous training to prepare you for the industry. So I thought, you know what? If I'm going to devote my life to this craft, I need to at least attempt to get into drama school. Because if I don't and I'm out there and things aren't going well, I'll always wonder what if. Mm -hmm. But drama school is expensive and I had no money and um, I was in debt. Um, so I thought, right, my game plan was I'm going to move back up to live with my mom in um, liverpool and i'm gonna save up money i'm gonna get any job for as much money as possible work that full time while saving money and then i'm gonna audition for drama school on the sly and then get in hopefully the year after so initially it didn't work to plan i could not get any job i couldn't get any job and even when i went to the the job center because you sign on and you're on benefits and then you mm -hmm. feel terrible. And the woman there, she would literally just said, I don't know why you've come here because there's no jobs. Uh, there's literally no jobs. So eventually, I think a month after that, I did get a job in a bank, weirdly, and uh, totally blagged it and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to get into, you know, banking long term. And, you know, this is a career step for me, blah, 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 blah. Um, so and then whilst I was doing that on the weekends, I was going down to London auditioning for drama school while saving money. And then it was a terrible year because uh, I wasn't really going out as well because I was saving the money. Um, I didn't I didn't know I didn't we didn't have dating apps then and I didn't know any women. Uh, so I was like and I couldn't I couldn't afford to go out. And I was just like, oh, but audition for drama school, got in to drama studio London. Uh, and then went there the next year, moved down to London, trained, did my training there whilst working like three jobs whilst 
doing that as well wow. and then uh graduated from there and then that was 12 years ago and then i've been acting professionally ever since bravo and you know Thank what you. yeah and that's a bit of your you know your uh je ne sais quoi or that you're like ah I, I I could see myself as the branch manager of this. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see myself earning filthy bonuses. <laughs> but you're like, no, I'm going to pay for my craft and drive or, you know, catch a train eons, yeah. you know, hours just to probably, hopefully, get a nugget of success. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, in terms of you know obviously the struggle and the plight of a you know an artist right uh, landing that first big role is i mean it's it's everything it's almost like mm -hmm. a, an accumulation of everything that you work for up until that point so yeah what was that like getting your first like acting role i mean it, it, you had stuff before you landed the few but i mean mm -hmm. that you know what was that like uh, well, it, I mean, I don't know. There's different answers to the question of what was my first big role. My first TV role was in a, a daytime medical drama called Doctors on BBC. Um, and I played a, uh, a uh, how would you describe him? I played this, like, womanizing pizza delivery boy. <laughs> um, and I remember my first, my first line on television was, um, the girl opens the door. Um, and then I'm standing there holding the pizza and then I look down and then I go large pepperoni. So that was my first line, um, which I feel like set the tone for my career. Um, and so did that. And then, and then I started getting, you know, more TV stuff. And I did a, a thing on sky called little crackers, which is a comedy. Um, and then started to get, you know, more stuff. I think Peaky Blinders was 2014. Um, and then, yeah, it just started building and building and building. Um, so I don't know what you describe as the big one, you know, in terms of, you know, big, you know, Peaky Blinders, Doctor Who, Justice League, they're all massive names, massive companies, massive characters. Um, but then, like, my role in them was not, say, as impactful as, say, in... BBC's War of the Worlds, um, which I did two years ago, which isn't as well known, but it was on BBC One and I'm really, you know, it was a really meaty scene. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every every win, it's kind of hard as well, because if you're a workaholic and you're just always looking for the next thing, you, you have to remind yourself to celebrate the wins. So, um, but, you know, this, you know, recently I, you know, I've just wrapped on a lead role, my first lead role in a feature film in the payday, um, which I also wrote. So that is a big, um, that's probably the big, big role, but that's, you know, now I'm in LA and I'm, I'm here for the, you know, as, as, uh, as someone might say in the nineties, you know, I hear that this is where the big boys play and, uh, this is what I'm here to, uh, <laughs> you want a war. Yeah. So, so th to me, the big role is, you know, is, is, a, is coming. So, I, I like it. I like it. And McMac, I, I think we all agree. It is, yes, it's mom, not mom. Remember? He's, he's really pushing this, you know. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> but he also says he'll drop your name to fellow Australian Chris Hemsworth. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I love Chris. He's great. 
Yeah, I mean, reportedly is uh, set to play uh, Terry Bollea, right? Or Hulk yeah. Hogan. Right? No, well, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I do think that is actually, I, I, you know, that casting is, it sounds great to me. I'm just saying. Could be a great fit. Yeah, you, you would be a great fit, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McMack says, ask about Neighbors. Oh, yeah. Do you guys know about Neighbors in America? We, I, I, I got a promo video on YouTube right before this, but for those who are uninclined, uh, school us on Neighbors, good sir. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to give the expert uh, schooling on it, but Neighbors is this, it's an Australian soap opera that is, I mean, I don't know how it's perceived in Australia, but in the UK, it is, it's been going for so long and Brits watch it. It's just been a fixture of television in Britain for so long. There's actually two. There's Neighbours and Home and Away. Um, and there's usually two channels in the UK that show it at the same time. They're both on at like six o'clock. Um, and it's like most people either watch Neighbours or Home and Away. Wow. Um, I haven't watched it for years, but I did go through a phase of watching Home and Away with my nan. Uh, it was very enjoyable. You know, and as a Brit, you're watching it, you're watching it for like this sunny sunny vision of you know um australians just you know they're by the beach and everything just seems to be much more warmer and all their problems seem to be more fun problems than our british problems to us anyway and obviously there was lots of um really you know beautiful uh people on there to uh to look at as well there's an element of like that baywatch factor as well mm. yeah Baywatch is definitely a thing uh oh, here yeah. in this yeah and carl kennedy rules yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've, I know who, who he means, but I, I didn't. I wasn't like a, an aficionado. No, 100%. Which, I mean, but one thing that, you know, in addition to the acting, right, is your proliferation in the world of pro wrestling. And, I mean, you, what, what was the movie that you uh, did that was essentially pro wrestling based? Yeah, I've just, we're in post production now. So I directed uh, my first. Uh, short film last year and um, the title will make wrestling fans think of something it's called screw job and it's uh, but it's actually about a, a working class female British pro wrestler who's working for an independent company an independent promotion uh, in the UK and um, she's got injuries piling up she's not getting any younger um, but she's never really got a shot. And then basically the booker of the of the promotion decides kind of quite haphazardly to give her a shot at the belt. Um, but then something's happened and then she's thrown into a situation where she's got to decide like whether she, how much she's going to tow the company line, let's say. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make, I wanted to direct something. And then I thought, you know what? What movie would I love to see? So I just thought I'm going to write a movie that that I, I would love. And I haven't seen many filmmakers make like I've seen, you know, people in the wrestling world make wrestling content, but I just haven't seen many like, you know, a, a real, I don't know, like people in the filmmaking or independent filmmaking scene actually make a something that's that's a film in its own right, but also happens to be in the pro wrestling world. So hopefully I've done both the film and the pro wrestling world justice. Uh, and I hope you did, uh, you know, the two worlds justice more so than, because I also have like MMA 
kind of uh, content. And mm -hmm. uh, we just had Bruce uh, prepare on Netflix with uh, Ali Berry. And it was such a letdown because she was supposed to be like training with actual MMA fighters. Some of my mm -hmm. friends who actually trained her and everything. And then when you saw the movie, for anybody that's uninitiated and doesn't know MMA and how it works and everything like that, it's great, right? Okay. I watch it with my sister. It's great. Yeah. But it, I, maybe it's just one where I know too much, right? And mm -hmm. they're like, you know, when every every fight scene ends in Halle Berry's character getting flipped. And like, you punch and you literally flip, right? Or okay. every, calling everything a body slam in, in the case of, of Screwjob. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... Uh, uh, yeah, so I have to. I have to give it a watch. I'm not. I'm not an MMA like I, I casually watch it, but I'm. I'm not. I'm not an MMA expert. So, but I'll definitely check it out. It, yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it, like I said, for what it is, it's it's awesome. But I think it's one where I need know too much. But knowing too much of pro wrestling and the entertainment field in the instance of Screwjob, like that, that actually melded pretty well. Yeah. Hopefully, and. It's, it's like I always say, I'm this weird, um, uh, I think there's, there's different kinds of wrestling fans, isn't there? We all have our own tastes, but I actually, I feel sometimes I feel like quite a throwback wrestling fan because it's like I even, like, even though, you know, I'm, I'm an actor, I'm a screenwriter, I've just directed my first film, but at the same time, I, I, I totally, I, I'm in awe of professional wrestlers and I, I actually think, you know, I, I don't think you can make as much comparisons to actors and wrestlers as some casual people do. Right. It's a totally yes. There's a, there's the the performance element to it, but the like I, I did I did a th I did I did one um, training session in pro wrestling um, with a guy called Greg Burridge in his Lucha Britannia school, and um, because we did a film together called I Am Vengeance with Stu right. Bennett. And he invited me along. And um, I was like, oh, my God, like, I've been growing up watching this stuff all my life, and I've, I've never actually attempted it. Um, and I did this, you know, just, just one, you know, three-hour kind of basics session. And it was the hardest, the hardest physical thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm, I'm in awe of professional wrestlers and, and what they can do. Um, so I'm not... I'm not one of those people that like intends to or thinks, you know, one of those actors like, let's blur the lines. I'm like, yeah, it's all the same thing. Like I'm not, I'm quite old school in, in that sense. Like I, I think, but at the same time, that's why hence, you know, I'm thinking, well, but I could play, you know, even in, you know, cause I was thinking like, what would be, you know, Eric Bischoff as an example, like I'm looking at, you know, you hear the Hulk Hogan movie gets made, fighting with my family comes out or, you know, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke and you watch yeah. it and I'm like, I've never, I've never had like, you know, a Chris Hemsworth, you know, Hulk Hogan physique and nor do I pretend to have the athletic prowess of, of a pro wrestler. But then you go, ah, but, you know, uh, a, a cocky, charming, charismatic, uh, you know, guy who, you know, holds the microphone and, you know, spit talks and book stuff and, messes with people and, you know, kills the competition, you know, that's the kind of role that, I'd, you know, I'd love to play within that world. So obviously I'd, I, I'm, I'd love, you know, I'm, I'm very much keen to get opportunities in that world, but I'm not, 
I'm not pretending that I could do it in the ring. Um, I went on a big weird tangent then, didn't I? No, it's, <laughs> I think it's a, a perfect lead up because I, I want to know in terms of your watching, your viewing of, of mm -hmm. uh, pro wrestling, like what era was that? So I, I always remember, uh, so basically, I mean, I, I, maybe it's, maybe I'm a lucky generation because I, um, I basically grew up watching it. I kind of caught the back end of the kind of classic Hollywood, sorry, the classic like Hulk Hogan, Red and Yellow, Ultimate Warrior. I kind of caught the back end of that. Um, and like, obviously as a Brit, the British Bulldog was one of the big, mm. the big, big, big presence. And I think, um, I think, I also think just on the sidetrack, I think Davy Boy Smith does, doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for what he did for, especially for the, the British market in wrestling is huge. And he was the British Hulk Hogan. He was like, he was the, and, and in, you know, as a Brit growing up in the nineties, um, as a young kid, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Batman, you've got, um, you've got He-Man, you've got all these <clears throat> like macho, um, inspiring, strong male iconography figures. Um, and then you got like Arnold and Stallone and all this, and they're all American. And the Bulldog was one of the few like larger than life characters and personas and, you know, big, I don't know, kind of flying the flag guys that mm -hmm. was mixing it up with all the Americans and holding his own. And it, I think, um, he was a he was a big hero of mine, and then and then obviously we drift into it. as I got into it. I was I was hooked on that, and then as we got into it, you then go into the the Monday Night Wars. So obviously I was still really young watching it, but I always remember in the UK Raw was on on a Friday night, so they just replay it on a Friday night on Sky yeah. Sports, and I'd go uh, at the weekends. I'd stay at my dad's, and we would watch Monday night uh, Monday Night Raw, but on a Friday night, uh, father and son, and you know, he was, he kind of enjoyed it, but he, he, he wasn't enjoying it as much as, you know, as, as I was. Um, cause he, and then, but then I remember one Friday, uh, I turned up and I was like, right, you know, Monday, uh, you know, let's watch Raw. And he was like, nah, let's not. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, no, 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 no. He's like, I found something better. And I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, you got to watch this other one. It's on TNT. I was like, what? And then, and then, because over here in the UK, again, weird quirks. The Cartoon Network, when when Cartoon Network finished airing on cable, it turned into TNT. And so the first thing on a Friday on TNT was Nitro. And he was like, is this other wrestling on TNT? And he was like, and there's this guy, Goldberg. Oh my God. He is amazing. He just goes in there and like, you know, he just wins in like 30 seconds. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. So he was loving, he just loved Goldberg. And then so yeah. I, was, I was very, you know, attached to WWF. And, um, but I thought, okay, well, my dad's forcing us to watch this other one. And then suddenly you go, you start watching it. And then you have a loyalty to the one you first watched. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of resisting it. And then you'd flip the channels like, you know, it's true. We all used to flip the channels. And then, but then after a while, it was like, there's no, there's no question that Nitro is better. There is no question. 
Um, so basically from like 97, 98, I actually thought 97 WWF was actually probably still the best year in WWF history for me. Yeah. Because you had Bret Hart, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, <clears throat> and you had, you had, and then the emergence for me, like, and then the emergence of Stone Cold Steve Austin alongside Bret turning bitter. And yes. for me, that that is, even though they only wrestled twice, that's probably the the greatest like two man story in wrestling yes. to me. Um, but then once that, and then so once Br that was kind of going, I was all WCW, and then once I got into you know obviously watching, I mean just the NWO, it was just just this feeling that this company was trying to take over the other company, and um, Eric Bischoff's presence and the way like Hollywood Hogan. He was just the ultimate, the ultimate like champion that you just want to get battered. Like you used to come out, cheat every week, hide behind all his cronies, and Bischoff would come and like talk, talk smack, and like but hide behind people, and and you just like oh these guys, and every week they just just sheer numbers. Something that I don't think you see enough of. Right. Well, again, maybe I'm old school, is because that, um, you know, just that element of especially as a kid when you're like. You know, it'll be someone who's just wrestling fair and square and trying to win the match, and then just ten NWO guys just come and beat the crap out of them. Yeah, and you're like, well, what? What? How? How can we? And every week you'd be like, this is getting ridiculous, and it just built and built. And because I always remember hearing, um, in hindsight, as you know, older uh, Kevin Sullivan, you know, yes. he was he was saying, you know, heat, heat. You've got to make the audience like really just get angry and like frustrated and really pushed them to boiling point and that was that was what nitro did and then obviously you had all the emerging people coming up and just everyone was the the, the roster of wrestlers they had and you know obviously i'm <clears throat> i'm biased because we know you know i'm an I'm a eric bischoff fan but i just thought it was it was some of the best television even you know beyond wrestling and i think that's why i had the you know millions of viewers watching so that that's basically was my when i was a kid that was you know when i was really coming into it um and then and then yeah and then when it got to i was absolutely devastated when wwfe bought wcw mm -hmm. and then when the when they did the invasion i literally stopped watching wrestling for about two years because wow. <laughs> i was like it's yeah it's it's just I can't believe how, like, obviously, I think the, the 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 main memory of like, you know what, that was beautiful was the Hogan Rock, um, yeah, showed like that. That was like one of the few awesome kind of WCW WWF moments that they both, you know, was masterful. Um, and but yeah, and then I kind of switched off for a few years, and then eventually I, I came back in. And then, yeah, it's been kind of, you know what it's like, then you just get sucked in again. And I've had a few years where I've jumped off again. Um, so there's like, I don't know whether this is the case for everyone, but sometimes you have gaps in your in your knowledge. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really, I came back in in like probably like 2002, 2003. Right. But then I kind of fell off during the, the kind of the heyday of John Cena. I did, I wasn't really there for that. I can't even remember why, just kind of, um, you know, kind of after Eddie Guerrero yes. uh, passed, like that kind of thing. Um, but then I kind of came back in, I'd say around 2013, 2014. Um, 
just off the back of CM Punk brought me back in and then and then yeah and then just you know it's an addiction isn't it and you kind of have these you know yeah you have yeah it's but that's the beauty isn't it? it's like um somebody said you know you sometimes it's the nature of the business because it because it's constant and they've got to constantly make stuff right. you sometimes it's going to be amazing sometimes it's going to be average sometimes they're going to miss a trick but then when it's great it's untouchable isn't it as a as a, as, as entertainment as a sport it's it's just it's magic when it's when it's done brilliantly yeah when it's done brilliantly otherwise it's like you know kind of i don't know uh okay what is it kevin smith uh, trying to direct or write for batman or just we're gonna hide behind a rock that's that's it that's what that's kind of what you would do with your pro wrestling fandom it's just like oh i i, I might not watch that right now that's it's yeah it's, and it's yeah it's like um but but yeah and so i think in terms of it pro and i i make people laugh with this in the industry but you know i am I've been a professional screenwriter for 10 years mm -hmm. when and, and, and actor and people say, you know, what are your influences? And I was like, I've learned so much about um, story and drama and comedy and tension and, and payoffs from pro wrestling than, than, you know, a lot of other things. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you hear Eric talk a lot about it. Like he often talks, you know, in terms of it being a show and being a story and the three acts and all that kind of thing. And, you know, stack the odds against the hero and you get sympathy and, you know, all those kind of moments where, so it's really influenced me. And a lot of the, a lot of the personalities and the, the wrestlers have really inspired me, even though I'm not a wrestler, but, you know, the likes of, you know, the British Bulldog as a Brit, um, Bret Hart and his, just his defiant, his defiant attitude and his belief in himself and just his sheer, um, like detailed skill set, and then mm -hmm. Stone Cold's just, just like relentless, just kick ass. Like I'm just gonna go in there and you know just mix it up, come what may. Um, you know, right, right down to like you know Chris Jericho and his just his cheeky, mm -hmm. cheeky like uh, you know one liner creating machine that he is, and you know you can go all across the board just the way that different wrestlers have done it and um yeah so it's a it's a big source of influence for me and a big source of inspiration i think it's great and you know what for me everything is pro wrestling right in the instance of jesse ventura and arnold schwarzenegger and even the gentleman who's just the president here in the states all wwe hall of famers right? yeah so there's that, you know, and mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, professional sport, whether it be Muhammad Ali, who grew up. Oh, watching, big time. Right. Big time. Floyd Mayweather, Mike Tyson, all pro wrestling fans. Conor you know, McGregor. Conor McGregor is doing Vince and Flair. Just, a, you know, yeah. kind of like a, yeah. like a mismatch or, or, or like a, a, a an awesome little tribute. Um, and he's pretty much made, I, I want to say that he's made at this point more than rick flair himself doing a kind of parody it's crazy yeah. but the thing is as well is that a lot of and i know a lot of people that just watch boxing or just watch ufc and they don't watch pro wrestling mm -hmm. and um and and they don't realize that a lot of their heroes have just stolen mm -hmm. from pro wrestling i mean muhammad ali being the the big example oh yeah 100%. um but yeah it's just all the tricks and it's like what was it i don't know who said that was it 
Did Jim Cornette first say it? Did he yes. say UFC is the best pro wrestling company out there? It just so happens that um, it's a shoot or, you know, something like that. Or yeah. it just so happens that it's not choreographed endings or it's not, um, they haven't, you know, they don't. Um, yeah, so I think that's, uh, there's a lot of truth in that. And, and for me, just to give you my, like, because we all, we all imagine, we all do the, the armchair booking and we all go, oh, I would have done this or I would have done this. Um, but I I'd really do my little, and I think it's why AEW has really flown um, and really took it to WWE recently because I feel like, and I say this as a screenwriter um, of TV and film, is that I think it feels like they need more wrestling brains, not mm-hmm. not TV episode brains in there because you know it is it still has to be told like a sport. Um, yes, there's colorful characters. Yes, they're kind of like real like real life superheroes. Um, you know, in terms of visuals, in terms of their you know personas and their the colorful costumes and all that. But at the same time, like if you lose the sports element and and just the element of the basics of how about you know it's like a good, any good boxing match that sells a lot of tickets you know if you have and that's what Ali knew if you you know he said he watched was it is it gorgeous George gorgeous George uh, yeah and Freddie um, Blassie yeah and and he was just like suddenly I realized that I could sell tickets f- for people who would want to see me get beaten up. And I think that's, you know, it's the, the old ways are the best. The old rules are the best. If you get if you get two two wrestlers and loads of people want one of them to win and loads of people want one of them to get battered, that is when you get people in, in the building um, and get people watching. So I think I think sometimes it's like it, it can drift too, too much towards, you know, it's it's TV and it's and it's. You know, it's it's like Marvel, but real life. And I think, yeah, to an extent, but then it's still going to have that, that sporty grit as well. Yeah, the, you know, and it's funny because... Uh, it's all taste, isn't it? That's obviously my opinion. Right. Uh, for other people, I, you know, different flavors. I'm, I'm in agreement, you know, and obviously there are people that like the flippy shit, you know, not a lot of context to it or maybe the, the Lucha style, but, you know, it's just like, for, for me, you know, to kind of uh, coin another... Uh, Cornetism, right? Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. And there's a large consensus of the pop culture lexicon that either they pretty much dismiss pro wrestling and its fans and what have you. But when it happens in another genre, in their genre, if it happens in movie, that's in the rock. If it happens in even, I mean, didn't Run DMC do like an alternative DX theme song? Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it. I mean, and it references. There's loads of even you know, um, you know, in loads of rap songs. There's loads of references. Even I think um, like House of Pain, jump around. I can't remember, yeah. but I'm sure there's a wrestling reference in there. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's. But I think you know, it's who know. It's fascinating to see how it how it happens and um, who. Because for me, it's like I would love. Like my, my dad, my dad passed away a few years ago, but my dad to me is, is the, is like the market they've lost, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, he was a forklift truck driver, um, loves football, 
loves having a beer, um, likes a good fight, and like Goldberg made him watch WCW Nitro every week. You only need one wrestler to make someone like that watch it, and for a lot of people, it was Austin. Um, but I think grabbing that sports like bro fan again would would be like. I sometimes think about that when I'm watching it. I'm like, would my dad like this? Mm. Would my dad be into this? And it's like, oftentimes you're like, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He'd, he'd watch. He'd watch the boxing match, but he wouldn't watch this. And I think they. It's harder to grab that audience now because you've got UFC. But I think it'd be an audience that I'd love to see more involved in it because then you get that like. Because when you watch Nitro, um, which I often do, <laughs> you look at the crowd and it's it's like you see squads of of like dudes yeah. who are just there for a for a great Friday night, um, you know, who aren't necessarily comic book shirt wearing, you know, and then as well on the flip side, you know, you go back and you you watch Ravishing Rick Rude on, you know, 1993 WCW, and oh, you're like, yeah. there's loads of women in the audience, and they're, yeah. like, they're there for him, and they don't care that all the guys in the audience hate him. Um, you hear the girlish kind of screams James, within yeah. the crowd noise, which again, you know, and not to say, you know, I think they have actually got a big female audience now and there's a big female wrestling scene, which is great. Yes. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe things are looking up. Maybe we will get that more. It's just that the, the more diverse and the more different types of people in the audience, the more, you know, um, I remember, was it, I don't know if it was Brett or Ric Flair where I heard they, they would like be near the curtain at the beginning of the night and they'd listen to the pitch of the audience and where the vocals were and you know was it was it girlish was it kids was it was it older dudes was it you know elder statesman grandparents that are there want to see blood you know all those kind of things so um yeah and it's funny you know to kind of echo your sentiment jim Cornette. He says, you know, uh, it was something that kind of got floated around the Memphis territory when he started up. But he was just like, you could tell, you know, a good barometer right, of where the business is going. If, uh, and it's kind of chauvinistic, but like the girls that are in the audience, right? And if they're tens, business is looking up. hilarious, right? <laughs> but if, if it's not, you know, and they're or that sounds like girls, something Cornette would say. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's just like. That's it, you know, and it's and it's kind of different, but kind of a similar kind of take. It like boxing, you kind of know where boxing is in terms of the pop culture lexicon on who's focused on the heavyweight division, right? And yeah. that kind of sets the tone for the rest of it. You put on a good heavyweight fight, yeah. then the rest of the card will be stacked. Well, th those are the things. So boxing, it's how the heavyweights are doing and how yeah. well the go the girls look in the audience oh. in wrestling. Yeah, and I think actually, you know what? I was just thinking about it, and there is there is a real. I think that's one of the they've really like the way the the female wrestling scene has developed over the last few years has been really, you know, and even, you know, I, if you go back to when you're watching it when you're a kid, like you couldn't imagine, um, like there's been times in WWE in recent times um, where I've been I've I've not actually there hasn't been a, a male fight on the on the card that I'm absolutely excited for but then there's a woman's match i'm like oh this is we're gonna see some serious um serious pro wrestling here like um and sometimes i feel like especially in WWE recently it's partly because because the kind of women's 
um, kind of expansion within the card is quite fresh. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of just well-told classic stories that they don't feel like they need to reinvent because we haven't seen that main event with the women. We haven't seen that gimmick match with the women. So I feel like it's been really solid and just been some great heel and face dynamics as well. I I like it, which I mean, in in terms of some of your favorites and I, you know, I don't like to do top tens or top 15s or whatever, but you know, in terms of wrestling personalities that you're influenced by and Mm -hmm. you can go as long as you like but uh who are some of the personalities that drew you in or still continue uh yeah i think i've mentioned some of the classics obviously um when i was a kid the colorful you know the the colorful characters of hogan and warrior were obviously big like as a kid they they were like the two action figures that you know were like but and then british bulldog um bret hart big 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 one um, and I still think his is him in '97 is probably the pinnacle um, of of just promo, in ring, everything. Um, uh, who I love the whole Heart Foundation in that Canada America thing. I was like all in for the Heart Foundation. Um, obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, t- amazing. I mean, I, I respect and I love The Rock. He just he just didn't. He, he didn't re- I liked him as a heel better I like to hate him as a heel better um and then who else I'm trying to think of more recent ones I mean loads of them are, I'll probably forget loads of them um I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of someone do- like in, in the WCW era like I love Goldberg I loved big Papa pump Scott Steiner or at least love to hate him when he was a heel um I I got a real soft spot for disco Inferno um and you know, I loved, yeah, just there was loads of elements of the WCW. I feel like they don't get there, like even like Raven and the Flock. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, obviously Sting, like that whole talk about iconic storytelling, like when he just didn't speak and the base, just pointing the baseball bat with mm-hmm. like no facial expression. Just when have we seen anything like that and just how long it took. Um, I mean Goldberg Hogan at start uh, at, on Nitro with the um, Georgia Dome. Georgia Dome, match. yeah. Matches just that to me is pro wrestling personified. Heel versus face, rabid crowd. Um, heel trying everything to cheat to win. Um, I'm just trying to think of more recent people. I mean, there's a lot of people in AEW that excite me at the moment uh, in terms of uh, like Hangman Page. I think yeah. he's a really star. Um, obviously MJF is just, he's saving, he's saving heel wrestling on his own. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it feels like, and hopefully it's going to spark lots of other things. Um, some of that, like Britt Baker is just, again, another one just has that old school personality. She just gets it and she yeah. gets me excited, whether it be I want her to lose or, um, whether she just fires up someone else. Um, so yeah, go, I guess those would be some of the. I'm probably forgetting, you know, forgetting loads. Um, obviously, favorite favorite non wrestler Bischoff, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I guess those are some of the those are the ones that spring to mind for sure. I think it's absolutely amazing, I, I, you know. And you're kind of speaking to my heart, so you got no no problems, no uh, no contention here. I, I dig it. Anybody who I think Brett, because of Brett, you know, kind of gets a lot of 
you know, heat from the fans and even wrestlers. When you think about, you know, him having a picture yeah. of himself, you know, yeah. in the foyer of his house. And that, what, yeah. And it's like, what, what I, I was listening to um, Cornet and um, Brian Last talk about, um, there was a documentary on Brett and Brian Last, Brian Last said something along the lines of, you know what? Um, Brett takes himself so seriously and it's made me realize actually we need more wrestlers like that these days and it is so true and um again it's like history's told by the by the by the winners mm. and um as well as me always banging on about how wcw was actually so much better at the time and they had many original wrestlers it mm. wasn't like they just stole all of them um but the other thing as well is uh, you know from my point of view especially being british heart foundation bulldog uh, my first wwf live experience was one night only and the main event was Shawn michaels versus british bulldog for the european title mm -hmm. and i'm still angry about it like it infuriates me and even though you know this would be my you know my equivalent of a promo but even though i acknowledge you know Shawn michaels is phenomenal in the ring like with as a wrestling fan like i i still I still am burned by that main event when the hometown hero was cheated out of the European title and he still hasn't got his comeuppance for it. So, um, yeah. So kind of, I guess that chimes in with the whole Brett. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I do feel like he's another one, even though he's highly regarded. I just think in the ring he's untouchable <laughs> just untouchable yeah um, in terms of you watches oh it's just yeah but um yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff yeah well you know fear not sam benjamin because uh sean hairlines uh sean michaels's hairline has caught up to him so there's the comeuppance there if you've seen well i mean the thing is now 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 it's it's even though like in 97 i hated his guts that's probably what he wanted, number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but number two, like when he did, you know, you have that nostalgia. And when he did come back, and, you know, I still remember when he came back for the Elimination Chamber. And he did, when he did that, when he did that one off match, non sanctioned with Triple H at SummerSlam, and he just wore jeans. And it was like, I was really, I was really behind him. So, you know, we, we, we love the nostalgia as well. And um, yeah, he's, um, and also, like, he's the kind of person, again, wrestling brains. I feel like he's the kind of person that they do need teaching the new people. Um, you know, they should have people like Sean and Austin and Brett teaching the new generation. Mm -hmm. I think also, even though it would never happen, but I just feel like because he's so specific, I feel like, and it's never going to happen, but WWE should have Cornette on the payroll my god because he he's just he's he just when when you hear him talk about the matches and he he says even if it was good he's like this is great do you know what would have been better and you go oh my god that would have been incredible i mean what a what a wrestling brain you know you've mentioned him a few times and he's just he's just what a wrestling brain unbelievable no absolutely i, I mean uh cornet again i not that not that I agree with everything that he says, but I mean, when it comes to wrestling, it and he says a lot of things to provoke. Oh yeah, well. yeah, but that's that's his thing. That's, that's his, his thing. thing. That's his thing. Which uh, obviously, you are an amazing, brilliant brain, uh, a thing in Hollywood. I feel, but uh, thank you. There have been a lot of people who have shaped 
who you are, not just the thespian, but as the person. Uh, so take as long as you need, Sam Benjamin. Let's get some shout outs out of the way. You want me to shout out some people? Is yeah, that... absolutely. Okay, uh, I'm going to shout out. Um, I'm just going to be very specific and shout out Eric Bischoff and uh, Christy Reports for um, Christy for bringing my Eric Bischoff promo to Eric and Eric for your reaction and for being so complimentary. Um, and uh, yes, I can drop my accent when needed. Um, and yeah, you and Eric, you've, you've inspired me as a, as a, as an overall, both in, both in life and as a person and an on-screen persona. Um, so that's my shout out for today. I absolutely dig it, man. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. And, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's put some, uh, Twitterverse. Social media, like we need an Eric Bischoff biopic. You know, there's a reason why, you know, there's an after 83 weeks podcast that has pretty much spanned over 83 weeks, right? It was yeah. more content here. So I want Sam Benjamin as Eric Bischoff in the Eric Bischoff biopic. What do you say? Right? Now for, yeah, absolutely. Now, for those who want to get that to happen, to follow you and all your exploits in in the ring in hollywood and otherwise where can they find you on social media my man at sam benjamin now n-o-w on twitter and instagram um at sam benjamin on vero and at sam dot benjamin on tiktok i think yes it is um yeah just um yeah say hello um and i'll say hello back there you go. And it is right here in the description here because, again, you want to be under the auspices of the brilliance of one Sam Benjamin, I say. I say. I know I do. There you go. Well, thank you guys for joining us here at According to Woods. And if you haven't already done so, go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to the According to Woods podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. I mean, Sam, you're subscribed to the podcast, aren't you? Correct. Hell yes. Well, if you don't believe me, you don't believe Sam and subscribing to the podcast. Well, here's a wrestler, Zeta Zang. Hey, this is Zeta Zang. Make sure you.